When we left William H. Mumler in part one, it was 1863 in Boston, Massachusetts. Mumler had accidentally discovered he could capture ghostly images in his photography and then began offering this service to the public, for a charge, of course. He became a prominent fixture in the spiritualist movement, that is, until someone found out that one of his quote-unquote ghosts was a very alive woman still in town. Boston was about to turn on William H. Mumler. Today, we conclude his story. This is A Study of Strange. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael May. Uh, we're picking back up with guest Timothy Donahue today, my former co-host on the Autobiography TV shows. For those jumping in, I'd suggest starting for part one. Otherwise, enjoy. This is the first real sign that Mumler is going to run into issues when this uh, alive, dead slash real spirit well, alive person uh a, a live real person yes uh and even including uh hf gardner who had been a supporter of mumbler and had been trying to get people to really scrutinize his work and was really hoping he was real he actually uh wrote into a newspaper and had a quote and it is way too long to waste everybody's time reading so let me just find like the best part of it here uh he says i deeply regret the necessity that compels me through uh, evidence to state with equal frankness that I am satisfied beyond a doubt that in the instances above referred to Mr. Mumler or some person connected with Mrs. Stewart's rooms have been guilty of deception and palming off as genuine spirit likenesses, pictures of a person who is now living in this city. Yours for the truth, H.F. Gardner, M.D., Boston, February 20th, 1863. <laughs> I almost said 1963. That would have been interesting. <laughs> it was around a good while. Yes. Um, so for those history buffs out there in 1863, you'll know it's the middle of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. It is may have been the, the downfall of William Mumler in Boston because his, uh, his legitimacy or his is respect i'll call it in the area starts to go downhill right once once the the viral thing goes in the wrong direction and everyone's like well these were you know which could be coincidences could be an accident could be anything but regardless i think there's a yeah there's a, a ding in the armor there it, it definitely seems like something's up yes which i would completely believe but yes. uh yeah so uh apparently mumler wanted to get away uh, to move, but because it was the war, it, it took him a while to actually get up and, and leave. But in 1869, he and Hannah moved to New York City. Specifically, I think the studio they were working out of was at 630 Broadway. And the spiritualist movement was still going very strong because of the war. It didn't take long for Memler to kind of start up his career as a spirit photographer again in New York. And mm-hmm. 1869, he starts up his his career as a spirit photographer again. He starts getting a lot of clients. The spiritualist movement is still still strong because it's so soon after the war. Uh, but it didn't take long for people to also start to complain. So a, a city marshal named Joseph H. Tooker led the investigation into Mumler. And this started with uh, finding Mumler's name in a complaint book. <laughs> so okay. uh, as, as it happens... 
And on March 16th, 1869, a at the studio at 630 Broadway, a gentleman that was calling himself Willem, William Bowditch or Bowditch and okay. or depending on what accounts you read also william wallace is sometimes the name <laughs> quoted um sure but this was actually tooker himself he was using an alias and pretending to be a gentleman that wanted a spirit photograph and wanted to take a picture uh with a dead relative and he goes into the studio misses uh hannah stewart is there who's obviously married to mumler at this time and they take a picture he watches the process happen, and on his picture, as it's being developed, a ghostly figure emerges, and he doesn't recognize the ghostly figure in the photo uh, as you know his dead relative that he said he wanted to see. And William Mumler apparently told him, and this is not a quote; this is me sort of surmising what he was saying. But he was like, "Ah." Uh, give it time it's sometimes hard to recognize you know your dead relatives just kind of planting <laughs> the seeds uh the, the, with the power of suggestion to try to convince him that this sure. is in fact is his dead relative uh however william mumler gets arrested instead tooker's men arrest him on april 12th and the charge was swindling credulous persons by what he called spirit photographs is what tucker uh tooker sort of quoted to the newspaper articles at the time a gentleman named Elbridge Jerry was the prosecutor in the case. And this got a lot of attention because the spiritualist movement was very big at the time. This is in New York City, you know, the heart of America, mm -hmm. the big city of America. And so word's going to travel quick. Word travels really quick. And all, because yeah. of, uh, you know, the, the Twitter of the day, all these different newspapers and journals and publications, and a lot of them were spiritualist publications. They all wrote about this case and they all wrote about the trial during the, the hearings because it didn't go to trial. It was just hearings to sort of establish a trial over many days. Um, but the prosecution presented seven to nine processes uh, where they were guessing how William Mumler could have pulled off this this fraudulent activity. So. <laughs> I won't go through all of them, but some people, one of them was uh, that there was a, a figure of a tiny ghost in the camera. So like the, almost like a toy or a cutout or something that would be in the lens itself was one of their theories. Okay. Um, some people, <laughs> okay. yep. Some people thought it was a second, uh, second glass plate, which is actually a very more, way more valid theory, I would think. But again, they didn't know. They were just like, he could have done it in one of these ways. There was no evidence to any one particular method. And that is kind of the downfall for the prosecution in this case, because they, they didn't have enough evidence to uh, convict or to actually just send them to trial. So w what's that's a funny thing to have to try to prove. Yeah, sort of like, isn't it? I mean, yeah, because unless they sort of go, oh, here he is red handed with, you know, uh, all his gear and here's how he did it. And it's all laid out. Yeah, it's it's just so like, what do you it's all guessing. I mean, yeah, it's such a strange thing because you're like, how do yeah. you prove the faked it success? Because it's like if there's no real path to finding that because all the there's no evidence or whatever but it's like you can't just be like well he didn't i mean he didn't take a picture of a ghost right so <laughs> it's probably fake <laughs> you can't just say that so it's yeah. not gonna that's not good for anybody so yeah was was you know, wondering from the jump is just like legally if they yeah if they don't literally if someone wasn't like oh i was looking through the window and i saw him take the plate out and then put it 
back in or take one from a pile marked, you know, 30 year old females in white dresses or whatever, you know, and like, like he's got a catalog of ghost images to, to knock on there. <laughs> like, yeah. How do you, what is the, what is the prosecution other than just kind of a, a joke? Because they're just like, well, he could have done this. It's like, well, you could say that about any case where you're like, it could have gone like this. And it just turns into the end of clue. And you're like, well, unless somebody pulls a gun out, <laughs> there's, really nothing, there's really nothing much to say at the end of all of this. I don't know. It's funny. It's a weird, it's a weird setup all around. Yes, indeed. And and the best part about this that I haven't even mentioned to you yet, it's in my intro, but the prosecution, their, their big witness, the person they thought would seal the deal and definitely send this to trial and Mumler would be. Tell me it was a ghost. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I I wish now that you say that. No, it was P.T. Barnum. The the well renowned circus you know producer creator owner, uh, famous for very very crazy stories himself, <laughs> um, that are you know that are amazing. Um, but it, it's interesting because P.T. Barnum very famous at the time. I mean that's like, man, what would you equate him to now? Like, I don't know, just sort of like an entertainer on that level. Like, Is it like? It'd be like a studio head that George also, Lucas or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Or, or yeah, maybe I don't know. No, so, it or, would be something or, like know, 10 that. Years ago? Um, it's like the create. It would the Duffer Brothers. It's like uh, <laughs> yeah, right. The new, <laughs> the new, the, the new, new PT Barnum. Yeah, the Duffer Brothers. Uh, but PT Barnum, as much as he he had freak shows and circuses and mistreated many 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 employees um, mm-hmm. and animals and everything else, uh, he actually much like um, you were talking about Houdini earlier and how uh, people in the entertainment world did not like mediums because mediums are lying about what they're doing. Where entertainers like no 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 we're we're doing the same stuff we're just we're entertaining you we're not lying about where it's coming from right. and what it's doing. He had a similar thought process. He he actually uh, had some of Mumler's work hung up in sort of like the, I forget what he called it, but it was like the Hall of Frauds or something like that. And it's like <laughs> pictures of like crazy people that are frauding, defrauding people. Um, and so he did not like William Mumler or what William Mumler stood for. And so he sure. took the stand and claimed, you know, he knew Mumler's work and he is a an expert on on humbuggery is what he called it, which is the greatest <laughs> word. Humbuggery, uh, humbuggery, okay. which is the greatest word of all time, and just so appropriate for that era uh, as well. Um, so he's an expert in humbuggery. They should listen to him. And uh, yeah, Mumler, Mumler's a freak, and he's he's using people and using grief. And uh, the guy should be. Yeah, I don't think he said this, but the guy should be locked up. Lock him up, everybody. I'm P.T. Barnum. You know, and then he probably he probably dropped, uh, you know, the he did say his own name a lot, I bet. I'm P.T. Sure. Barnum. His, I'm he, a... he dropped his, his loudspeaker or yeah. whatever it was, a big cone that he was yelling through <laughs> in the middle of a small courtroom. Listen I'm to me. I'm, I'm yeah, P.T. Barnum. Listen to me. He's... He's he's a hum he's a humbugger. He's a, he's he's a, a, hum, a humbugger. humdinger or a humbugger. A hamburger. He's a hamburger. <laughs> Don't listen to him. Um, so uh, yeah, so that was the big deal, and the prosecution thought they had it won, but the defense also had people speak uh, that believed in Mumler, that talked about how his photographs helped them. Uh, he also quoted the defense lawyer quoted um, this. I'm going to read this. It's. It's very interesting, but he used the Bible and the defense. 
because uh, he said, I offer these, the 16th chapter of Genesis as showing appearances in the form of spirits. Also in the 19th chapter of Genesis, first verse, the 21st chapter of Genesis, verses 17 through 19, the 22nd chapter of Genesis, 10 through 19, the 22nd chapter of Numbers, 21 through 35, the fifth chapter of Joshua, 13 through 15, etc., etc., etc. He just goes on and on and on about where there are spirits mentioned in the Bible and where people. So see the Bible them. was a witness. Was, uh, the Bible was a essentially a, diff, uh, a, a sort of a record, a record of this being truth. Like exactly. essentially, like if you if you if you if you believe what's in here, you got to believe what he's doing exactly. because it's the same thing. Yep, that's amazing. Yep, that is a that is a quality quality defense attorney right there. Indeed, indeed. And so again, remember this takes place over many days. This hearing and mm-hmm. uh, the newspapers are writing about it every day. So this really is. A lot of people thought the trial of the century at the time, even though it wasn't even a trial; it was just a hearing. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> but at the at the at the end of it. The judge believed that there was fraud. He believed that William Mumler was faking all these things. But uh, when when witnesses spoke of what it meant to them, um, and also the fact that no one had caught Mumler in the act, ju- the judge had to dismiss. And so the prosecution mm. thought they had won and they lost. They actually still, you know, spun spun it as ah, but now people know that Mumler is a fake. We may not have gotten to trial, but we still won because he's off the streets and he's not not going to swindle anybody no more. Um, I t- uh, turned into a 1930s gangster instead of an 1860s uh, trial attorney in New York. They were on their way there. Yeah. So but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It sounds a little like you're like, Oh, the, he got, he got off because people liked what he was doing. So you're like, ah, it's not illegal because people are enjoying it, which is definitely yeah. not something that happens yeah. a lot. So that's just, yes. uh, that's so strange. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, at, at the end, really, there's just no, there wasn't, there wasn't evidence that he was doing the thing, you know, yes. then what, yeah. What do you, what are you really standing on there? Cause you can't, you can't disprove it, but right. And he's not going to be like, well, actually how I do it is cause then he's, you know, giving himself up. So it's a weird, it's just a, such a strange, strange thing to try to prove. Anyway, It, it is. And Ugh. it's, it's honestly, I think it's even interesting that they went to a hearing. Um, cause I, I would have, yeah, it, it just, it's really interesting. Um, so Mumler, gets exposed to a certain extent. And what's interesting, and in my research and the two books I read and then a bunch of things online, some people say that he never recovered financially. Others say that he did and his business sort of took off because of all the attention he got. So I don't know what to believe, but we do. He was the Tiger King of his day. That's right. That's on. kind of. That's literally. Yeah, I will never financially recover from this. <laughs> that, is, that is. He became the Tiger King meme. Yeah, but a hundred years earlier. You're right. Sorry. Uh, anyway. But what we do know is in eighteen six. Uh, excuse me. In eighteen seventy two, uh, a woman that called herself Mrs. Lindell came to his studio, and she wanted to take a picture. She had had lost a husband. She posed for a picture, and. That is the famous photo of Mary Todd Lincoln with Abraham Lincoln behind her. And so the the folklore around that picture is that she claimed to be somebody else, Mrs. Lindell. <laughs> and they took the photo on the Abraham Lincoln ghost, you know, appeared magically when Mumler didn't know who she was because she had called herself Mrs. Lindell. I don't know if I believe that story. That is That is the common story told, and I cannot find evidence against that. But I do have to suspect, especially because I, again, I do have the bias, I, I, the the belief that Mumler was a fake uh, for many sure. reasons. But uh, I do not believe that he did not know that she was married to Todd Lincoln. 
Um, so that is, is just his most famous photo. So it's worthy of, uh, of, of discussion and putting it out there for people. Hey, if you guys research that, if people find, you know, another version of that story, I would love to hear it. Please, please email me and let me know. And we can confirm that that was in fact, Mary Todd Lincoln. Like that's that we know that that was her in the photograph. We can confirm as much as like, that is what everybody believes. Uh, it is, it is undoubtedly her, but I don't know how else to confirm that with the exception of just everybody saying it's Mary Todd Lincoln. And also she was a devout, believer in supernatural Mm. things and she had seances in the white house and uh she was a big believer in spiritualism so it fits it fits that she would know who mumler was because of the attention of the trial and and all of that so it just everything kind of connects to to make sense that that was her so yeah what (laughs) does this story of mumler mean how do we feel about spirit photography in general, I mean, do you have any thoughts about what it may have meant to people? Not whether it was fake or not, but just like the act of it or act of having it or people curious about it. Yeah, I totally get people being curious about it because like with anything new, you know, when it comes to technology, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, there's that sort of famous quote that I'm still going to probably get wrong, but, you know, any sufficiently advanced technology should be indistinguishable from magic. And so what I think he had stumbled onto was the bleeding edge of photography at that moment uh, and a new kind of aspect of it to exploit. And again, I don't necessarily mean that as it's, exploit always sounds like you're doing something wrong, but you're, you're just trying to figure it out, take it apart and use it in new ways. Um, and again, I, yeah, I think it just kind of spiraled out of control, but I think that, um, yeah, it probably meant something to a lot of people to have, even if, you know, somewhere in the back of their mind, they're like, this is probably not real, but it you know provides some some comfort, uh, and 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 if there's enough of a of a kernel there that says maybe it's real, then that could mean something to somebody. Now whether that's good or bad or not, I'm not going to you know pass judgment on them for feeling one way or the other. But what I think at the end of the day, it, it it really comes down to when people are at the forefront of of a of a technology, and nobody else is up to speed on how it works. That is a very very easy place for large amounts of people to believe something or something is happening or something is not happening or whatever, or something works or doesn't work because they just don't understand how the technology works. So when you're in that, you know, group of, you know, most people, especially at that time, I'm I'm guessing the number of people who had experienced photography firsthand was like, you know, in the dozens at most in terms of even subjects or people doing it. I mean, it was probably just a handful of people, the general public looking at a photograph, which is probably just unbelievable to their eyes anyway. Mm -hmm. And then you're seeing this, you know, apparition in it. It's just like, it's all so overwhelming. I mean, you hear stories about the first moving pictures of like the train coming into the station and people running, screaming from the theater because they just couldn't even process what was going on. It looked like a train was about to run them over. So when you look at something new like that and you just don't, you, you can't look at it and go, oh, because they use a plate and they could just expose twice. And that's, oh, it's kind of fun. Tra-. You know, you don't, you don't have the knowledge base to look at something and sort of decode it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like bowled over by this magic, which is great. And I think that's such a wonderful feeling to experience because it's so rare now. Because like we were saying earlier, we're so sort of cynical about anything uh, visual or, or, you know, anything that can be touched and manipulated, which is basically everything you see and hear mm-hmm. now. It's I think it's incredible. And I'm so envious of people who got that experience of seeing 
a moving image for the first time in in their adulthood because that's got to just be like it's just like a portal opened up i Mm -hmm. mean we've seen augmented reality i've done a lot of virtual reality stuff and that's all like really fun but because you get what's going on you're like well my head's basically wrapped in a monitor this is what's going on i know i'm not actually somewhere else um you don't really just you don't believe it wholeheartedly and i think there's just a difference in mentality yeah. And just technological knowledge back then that allows for these things to to sneak through. Now, things like that are still happening today, very clearly, but uh, they're just, you know, people have to find different mediums for them. Yeah, yeah, it, it them. is. That is, yeah. it's so important to understand this story, because if you, if you look at these photos and you're like, these are so stupid, why did anybody believe that these were actually right, in context, but in like, context it was, and I said it when we first started the, the first part of this episode uh, or this story, but with Morse code and photography mm-hmm. in the middle of this, this century, it, it was supernatural. It was supernatural yeah. to people. And there were some people that didn't want to get photos because they were scared of it. They didn't know what it meant to get a picture made. And yeah. uh, and then you you do see obviously this is this story takes place before the telephone, but the telephone comes around in the next few decades, and and that astounds people, and that's a supernatural thing. Oh, you yeah. mentioned early movies, and people would run out of the theater after a train, you know, yeah. flew by. Um, it, I, I mean, I, I don't know what would equate to us today, but you know, it may be like the Tom Cruise deep fake TikTok video. I was thinking whatever. about that. Yeah. It's like it's like wait, you look at that and you're like, well, that's got to be real. It's like, well, it's not, but yeah. like, he didn't just do a backflip in a hallway and hang out with whoever it was. Yeah. But it, you know, uh, although he might have, he does a lot of amazing stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, it's I can't I can't think of something now because I think we're so primed to just not believe whatever we see that it, that I think there's something called um, retinal projection which when it comes to VR and things like that is if, if that actually becomes a thing, cause it's essentially shooting a laser into your retina, like onto your retina. So instead of seeing what you see, you'll, it'll literally just be taken over by the image. It's not like you're putting on VR goggles and you're kind of, you can see around the edges and you can kind of see the pixels and all that kind of stuff. It'll just be like, Oh, you just flipped on a different reality. I think that's going to be crazy. That an augmented reality where things can be superimposed into your, real life like you could just be in your house and all of a sudden you know the horror movie is in your house like somebody's at the window someone's yeah, you know yeah. and aliens are crawling in through the ceiling like it can just be blended with your your reality and i think that that kind of stuff will be amazing and probably hard for people to deal with um but uh i don't know it's all it's all i think when you look at it through the lens of somebody like me who's experienced a lot of technology and been involved in photography and some, you know, color correction and seeing visual effects and all that kind of stuff, you, you get inherently sort of uh, skeptical about things like this. But um, I, I definitely have a hope, excuse me, <clears throat> I definitely have a, a hope uh, that I will experience something that is so overwhelming and amazing that I just cannot figure it out. And that, I, I love like close up magic and things like that, because mm-hmm. I know there's a trick to it. But it's still so fun yeah. because it's done so well. So when you can experience things like that, I think it's really fantastic. But I always have in the back of my mind, like, yeah, I know there's a trick. I know he didn't, you know, it didn't bend the key with his mind or what, you know, any of that kind of stuff. It's like there's always a there's a way that you know the Statue of Liberty disappears. But it's so fun to experience. But um, so I, I feel I feel a little bit bad that people would go into things like that hoping for a real connection to someone that they loved and missed. Yeah. Uh, and it's such a terrible thing to exploit that. Um, 
But at the same time, if they went their whole life and believed it and thought they had that one last interaction and doesn't really, you know, hurt anybody else, then I, you know, I can't completely say what's the harm, but I don't know. It's, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a it, funny gray area. It, it is a funny gray area. And it makes me think about a few things, um, outside of, of the technology discussion, which is, which is very pertinent. I'm glad we just had that. Hmm. But also when it comes with dealing with the passing of loved ones and how we use things like photos or images or videos to remember them back then, uh, you didn't have a family photo album. Photography was still new, it was still relatively expensive. So the way to re- remember your dead family was to do something like this or take the, in in the 19th century, there were, excuse me, the, uh, yeah, the 19th century, sorry. In the 19th century, there was this uh, kind of fad where people would take pictures, like posed pictures of dead loved ones, like either dead right, babies, yeah. dead uncles, dead grandparents, whatever it was, they would even pose with them. They would dress them up. And we look at that today and we think it's kind of morbid, but that was their, they didn't have mm-hmm. photos. That was their only photo of that loved one. So they wanted to do that yeah. to remember them. And then if you think about what we do today, that might be considered kind of morbid or weird in the future is there's Facebook accounts. There's what is millions of people on Facebook that are actually deceased. Um, sure. and people yeah. will comment on their dead relatives or dead friends, Facebook page and be like, I miss you. Wish you were still here. Like that yeah. is, that is a thing that we do nowadays. Um, and then on another side too, with outside of the sort of remembering uh, a loved one, uh, but also photography as much as again, it was created to capture the truth or capture realism, uh, Ever since it was started, we've been modifying what is real in po- po- pictures and stuff. Not not somebody like spirit photography in this example, but even there was a famous Civil War photographer. And a lot of the, the amazing photographs we have of the Civil War, he would pose, he would go onto the battlefield and move dead bodies to get mm-hmm. them in a different position or put them near a fallen cap or a, or a musket that wasn't there originally. He would pose these photos to, in his words, they were to make the the public better understand what happened. Um, mm. And there's even, oh man, when I was at film school, what is it? One of the early, was it Lumiere? There was one of the early famous uh, filmmakers who would do like documentary shorts. And there's the famous like end of work at a factory where everybody piles out of the factory in a line. And oh, that's the movie. Yeah. And apparently he made everybody go home and change to do it again and here it was supposed to be capturing the end of a work day but he like <laughs> had to do a second take that's kind of the story behind that um so it, it's i don't know i don't have a point to that except it just makes that's where my brain goes when we talk about this stuff and how media is never exactly real and we definitely oh yeah so it's a version it. yeah it's a version yeah, ver- it's a version of reality yeah. i mean when you really get down into the nuts and bolts of it like everything we experience is a is a you know, interpretation, our, our vision is an image. That's an interpretation in our brain touches is all electrical signals and things mm-hmm. that all just exist in our brain. So we're already one step removed. So if you add one more or two more, then yeah, it's sort of, yeah. you know, if you know what you're doing, you can sell it pretty easily. Uh-huh. But uh, you um, know. Yeah. So let's get into some theories real quick before we wrap up, sure. because I would love, I would love to, to share some of these ideas and also get some of your points uh, or, or theories as well. Um, so 
William Hope, I mentioned him at the beginning of this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was another famous spirit spirit photographer uh, decades later after Mummler. Um, but he was caught multiple times. People would catch him swapping plates in his hand because he was still using a similar plate, plate process. Um, sure. And he would be caught with you know something he had prepared in a second plate. Um, it's also you said multiple times. So you multiple, got, you yeah, like, William Hope so was kept at multiple it. times and kept at it, because which is it, indicative of like how slow information travels yeah. back then a little bit, because yeah. it isn't like, oh, it's on Twitter now. It's like, no, he can move to another town and like keep doing this for it's a minute. how slow information yeah. uh, moved, but also the power of belief. People mm-hmm. wanted to believe, so they would come up with excuses yeah. about why, oh, that can't be true. Someone's just making it up because they don't want it to be true or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Mumler, interestingly, destroyed all his negatives that he had left before he died. So that is an uh, yeah. interesting piece of evidence there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the main, main theories about what he did um, is that he used sleight of hand. Uh, because he would have the plate and he would sure. he would do something to either slip a second plate behind the plate he was using when it went into uh, the camera, something like that. And that is you talked about close up magic. That is that's close up magic right yep. there. It's like there's yep. a lot of people that know how to do that and have always known how to do that. So that is uh, a a very plausible thing. Uh, double exposure, which is involved with like all these theories, but just in general that he maybe hid a plate inside the camera that had another exposure on it or something along mm-hmm. those lines. Um, there, there was that in the, in the hearing, someone thought that there was like a fake ghost in the camera, um, that his cameras were, see evidence yeah, of that. <laughs> his cameras were inspected, <laughs> his cameras were inspected yeah. and nothing like that was ever found. So that is, and there wasn't like a secret experience. compartment for a second plate or any right, other kind right. of stuff, I guess. It was so all, you know. yeah, his, his cameras were always very highly scrutinized by the other photographers that would watch him. Uh, <laughs> Vox, Vox media, there's a, I'll, I'll share a link to this, but Vox media created a video that's on YouTube with someone showing how they think William Mumler did this. And it's a combination of all the above. They would use sleight of hand. Um, They would, you know, some, some little man in the camera. No, no, no little man. (laughs) No little man. He only helped a little bit, but not as much as you think. Uh, But what they did on Vox media is they would trace, they would have like another photograph taken. And I, I'm, I'm probably misremembering this exactly. So everybody should watch it. It's really fun. Um, But they would trace an outline of their subject onto a glass plate. And they would use that to line up the, the like mm. ghostly image they would do. And then they had an actor wear like all white to look like a ghost. And they would take that photo and then they would have that uh, behind the other glass plate during the, the second picture, because that way the, the ghost wouldn't get as, as developed okay. as exposed. Yeah. Um, and is there any chance somebody would just pop in while they were taking the photo? Like silently, just like, like they just raise it, like they just yeah. raise a curtain and there's just yeah. a guy there for like 10 seconds and then disappears. And then there he is. Maybe it was a single exposure. See, had, I, uh, I think that's possible. Somebody would have cracked. But someone would have cracked. Someone would have said something. Yeah. Someone would have noticed it as well. So my my problem with the Vox Media uh, video with their theory is they uh-huh. used an actor and they like traced images on the glass. And the way Mumler was scrutinized, he could not have done any of that. That would have taken too much time. Mm-hmm. You have too many things that can happen to be caught in that process. Uh, I think he used a version of that, though. I think he had prepared images of whatever the ghost was 
um, and he would pose yeah. whoever was taking a picture. He would pose them in a way that he knows that the ghost image would would sort of play within the framing sure. that he had. Yeah. Um, you know, they were on the you know basically frame left, frame right. That's and yep. then from yep. there, you know, if you if you keep organized a little bit, then you're you're in okay shape. Indeed. And uh, there is a popular, there is a term for it, and I don't have it written down. I'm going to get better about my notes, everybody. I promise. Um, but there were these popular like baseball card size photographs in the 1860s with famous figures on them. So including <laughs> the president, President Lincoln. Uh, um, uh. And I actually think he used those to create a lot of his ghostly images to use those in the exposure process. Uh, and I, the reason I thought of that is because it would come up in, in, in research of how it's the same sort of size of the kind of photographs he would mm. take. Um, but also the Abraham Lincoln photo. He never took a picture of Abraham Lincoln. He wouldn't have that somewhere in the copies of things or on a glass plate sure. somewhere in a negative. Um, I think he would have used the Abraham Lincoln photo in the famous Mary Todd Lincoln uh, picture. He would have had from one of those kind of famous uh, sort of popular kind of collectible pictures that that everybody had back then. Um, and so that's how I think he did it. Do you have any anything you want to add? Any theorizing? I think we nailed it with uh, the little 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 uh, man living in the camera, uh, <laughs> pa- rapidly <laughs> painting an image on the on the glass uh, in the moments he had yes, in between yes. the. Uh... No, um, I, yeah, I think th- there are probably details that we won't know, just sort of like a you know Houdini trick or something like that. But it's yeah, likely prepped plates. They were ready to go. Or I mean, as you we were saying it, I was like, oh, maybe it's in the development process, not the not the exposure. So if he took the plate into the dark room I, and I, I don't know if people went into the dark room with him, but he could have a, you know, on, on the, uh, or however he was doing it, if it's anything like now, where you, I mean, now you really, you print it onto a piece of paper and develop that. But if there's something in the development process where you could add an additional image onto it or project onto it briefly, uh, onto the chemicals before they're, you know, uh, washed and processed and all that. But, very likely, yeah. It was just it's just a double exposure. I think that's yes. the, if that's yeah. the simplest version, that's probably it. It, it, it all comes like, well, down to some some type yeah. of double exposure, and and it just really comes down to where and when did he do it? Did he do it with a second glass plate? So when that that glass is being exposed to light to create mm-hmm. that negative, there would be a second one that he sort of used sleight of hand to get behind it, or was it in the development process somewhere in there? is yeah i mean maybe he figured out their chemicals that after he takes a picture and he you know scrubs it if if you you know do x y or z or apply different they they are still there or there's their remnants yeah but they look it looks clean um but it it, but it actually isn't you know what i mean there's still there's still enough remnants so if you process it again you are like you have to give it an acid bath or something to like really clean the glass but if you don't and you just kind of wipe it off, there's still like, you know, enough of something behind. And maybe he discovered what that is and how to, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, if I only use this chemical, it doesn't quite clean it, but it looks clean, you know, that kind of thing. I think there's some version of that likely that's, that's the story. And for people that, that believed it or believe that he, he was some sort of medium and was able to do this, uh, I think it's interesting to to note again the glass plate process he used because the fact mm. that they were reusable plates I think is how he initially discovered that first ghostly image. I think it was sure. not a clean plate. Uh, it's also worth noting he didn't ever use a different type of photography. So if he was a medium, mm. it shouldn't matter what type of photography he's using. Right. It, it, it should a matter. tin type or whatever. Yeah. And it's just sort of like 
But the fact that or it's a, a glass plate, any of that stuff. yeah. So in a glass yeah. plate, which is a negative, so he can make copies, he can do all those kind of things. That's what what allowed this to be uh, done. And it is also people had he he was not the one that to to discover creating this ghostly image. Uh, a mm. few years before he kind of discovered it, there was actually a book published um, of like ghostly images, these like spirit photographs. But the people that discovered that process and made the book thought it was funny. So they didn't lie about mm. what it was. They would pose these. And actually, when you when you do Google spirit photography from back then, you do come across some of these images. Um, sure. But it's like, you know, someone looking really scared and there's like this ghostly figure next to him or someone in a field right. being chased by a ghost. And they did it for fun. <laughs> it was supposed to be sort yeah. of a humorous book. They were not lying and saying that these are real ghosts. Um, sure, sure. So, so the, the process had already been discovered, but Mumler was the one that tied it in with spiritualism and uh, started the whole process of ghost pictures. Yeah. And then ectoplasm showed up. But I think Houdini it did. It did down. later on. Yeah. The, the yeah. seances as spiritualism grew and morphed because it has to, it has to evolve. Hmm. Uh, there were the, the ectoplasm where mediums would swallow cheesecloth or chews, chewed up newspaper and regurgitate it during seances and say it was ectoplasm. So, Really wow. fun, really fun times. Really, really super fun. T- I would, I would love to go to a seance back then. I wish I could time travel, and, uh, yeah. and do that. I think it would be fascinating. Um, yes. So, all right. Well, thank you, Tim Donahue, for for being my guest. And uh, it's, it's an early episode, so uh, you know I'm still a it little likely won't go to air. <laughs> it'll likely have to be redone. Uh, be a template for future improvements. I'm glad. Well, that's, that's the whole thing. No, is I, I want to yeah. jump into this because the only way to get better at it is just to do it. Oh, for sure. So, no, this is great. So, yeah, I hope well, I had a fun. good time. I, lear- I learned something and uh, uh, threw out some real bad accents. So I can't wait to <laughs> <laughs> hear from all of New England uh, how they're, they're not welcome anymore. So oh, fortunately, I'm, I'm popping in and out next week and then that'll be the end of it. After studying the career of William H. Mumler, we can only theorize that his pictures were fabricated. I cannot comment on the belief that one may have about the ability of spirits to communicate through our technology, whether that be old photographic methods or modern audio and video recording devices. Mumler passed away in 1884 after destroying all remaining negative prints in his collection, which is why we can't study his techniques. At the time of his death, Mumler was more well-known for inventing a process that allowed photographs to be printed in newspapers. The strange story of spirit photos may overshadow the fact that Mumler may have been a genius as a showman, a photographer, and an artist. And on that note, that's the show. Thank you so much for listening to A Study of Strange. Thank you, Tim Donahue, for coming along. If you enjoy this type of content, please subscribe to our podcast, rate and review. You know the game. That is the most helpful way to keep podcasts getting made. For information about today's topic, visit astudyofstrange.com. And you're always welcome to reach out with information, ideas, reactions, anything, to astudyofstrange at gmail.com. That's all one word, astudyofstrange at gmail.com. Tune in next week. We have a very special episode with an expert from the Biggie Smalls murder, the mystery of the murder of Biggie Smalls, the Notorious B.I.G. Tune in then. It's going to be awesome. Good night.